Royal Rumble season rolls on here this week on Kicking Out at Two. I am your host, Dave Rosenluth. Thank you for pressing play. Thank you for downloading this show. Thank you for being a part of all the fun that I have and hopefully all of you have here on Kicking Out at Two. Is this week we're going to trade places, our familiar trading places concept, with the 1996 Royal Rumble event. We're going to uh, flip-flop the scenarios and we're going to map out the trajectories of the winners and losers in these in these situations, in these matches, and uh, you know see what comes of it. Uh, I think this is a very very interesting uh, edition of our Trading Places concept because 1996 was a very important year for the WWF. Uh, there was a lot of movement. They were in a transition period. They were in a rebuilding phase, if you will. Uh, we saw a lot of names uh, come and go. Uh, some of the bigger names like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall leaving the WWF under their personas as Razor Ramon and Diesel respectively and having the WCW to form the New World Order with Hollywood Hulk Hogan or what would be Hollywood Hulk Hogan but he was just Hulk Hogan for that matter. Um, anyhow, um, yeah, so I figured, you know, what if? What if, you know, some of these scenarios had changed and the roles were reversed? Maybe we wouldn't see Kevin Nash and Scott Hall go to the WCW and, uh, you know, form the New World Order. Um, maybe we would see some, some different things take place in the WWF. Maybe wrestling history would change had these two not jump ship and, uh, you know, let their contracts expire and leave to go to WCW. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, those two guys in particular as well as other different scenarios that come from this Royal Rumble event. But... Before I do that, you've got to check us out on social media. I'm having a lot of fun over there. Hopefully, you're having fun, too. Hit the like button on Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Twitter, our handle's at kicking out two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. The social media activity hasn't been as frequent in the last few weeks, months, if you will. I've been transitioning into my new shoot job, the one that's paying the bills. So, um... You know, I haven't been able to keep up as much. I've been posting links to shows, and uh, hopefully you guys have, uh, you know, all been enjoying that. But for the most part, um, not as much interaction as I'd like, and I'm going to try and get back into that as we roll into 2021 here. So uh, hopefully you guys, uh, you know, bear with me. I appreciate all the patience. Um, you can find our shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, searching Retromania with a W. Uh, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, and all other podcast platforms available by searching Retromania with a W. Kicking out at two is there as, long as, as well as Cool Truth with AC, White House and Edwards. They cover AEW. Uh, you know, marking out today's Weekend Warriors with Kobe and myself. We also got a new theme, a new show called Catching Up with me and Kobe as we catch up with each other on the world of professional wrestling. We cover the current day wrestling stuff and just give our thoughts and opinions and shit like that. Um, make it lighthearted and fun like we always do. There's also Hulkamania is Dead, Origins of Attitude, um, Gaijin Wrestling Radio. A lot of great content over there. Over 5,000 hours of stuff. Uh, or 5,000 downloads, I should say. Um, you know, which I greatly appreciate and I'm sure Kobe does as well. Uh, so go over there, check it out. Retro Mania with a W on Podbean as well as other podcast platforms I just mentioned before. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes that is the 25-year anniversary of the 1996 Royal Rumble event, which will be... You know, tomorrow, January the 21st, this event took place from Fresno, California, roughly 9,000 in attendance. Um, this show, like I said, very pivotal because this was the first pay-per-view of the new year, as well as, um, you know, the the launching pad for what was to come in 1996 with all the, the movements and the changes. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down each match and I'm going to 
you know, give you the results of what took place, and then I'm going to play role reversal and then map out the trajectory and see where the winners and losers go from there, realistically speaking. I'm going to have some fun. I might throw a little curveballs and some swerves along the way, but for the most part, I try to keep it as realistic as possible based on the current landscape at that time of the company, uh, like I do with all my other trading places. But, you know, just to make it a little fun, I might throw a little twist and turn in there that you wouldn't really expect. So, um, first match on the card was on the free-for-all, and it was the, the their version of the kickoff show. Now, you could get the free-for-all if you ordered the pay-per-view, or if you didn't order the pay-per-view and you were kind of on the fence about it, you'd find the free-for-all on the TV Guide channel, which used to be channel 3 locally, um, you know, on the box. And if some of you, you know, youngsters out there, don't know what the TV Guide channel was. Well, there used to be this thing called TV Guide. It was a magazine, and it was like a little booklet, and you got it like monthly in the mail, and it would give you all the times and the listings of all the television shows on all the channels that you have, um, so you knew what was coming on and, and and your your particular favorite show and you know shit like that. The TV Guide channel was very similar. There used to be a little box in the corner that showed like infomercials and commercials. And then on the bottom, there used to be this like scrolling kind of information with, um, you know, all the channels and what was to come in like the next like hour or two. And it would stop for maybe about like 15, 20 seconds. And so you can like kind of look and then you, it would scroll more and then you would get more channels. So sometimes if you missed the listing that you wanted to find, you know, on your on your, your TV station, you'd have to wait till it scrolled back again. Well, WWF used to do the free-for-all on the TV Guide channel. Um, so on Sunday nights, you know, pay-per-view nights, roughly around 6.30, 7 o'clock maybe, um, the, the, they used to have the free-for-all. And they'd be live in the arena and they would preview some of the matches and then you'd get a free match on the free-for-all. So this match was Duke the Dumpster Drossy going one-on-one -on -one with... Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the Greenwich Aristocrat, Aristocrat, excuse me, and this match was to determine who got the number 30th spot in the Royal Rumble match. The loser would end up having to draw number one. Now, as history saw it, Hunter Hearst Helmsley originally got the pinfall and won the match, but there was that advent of instant replay that wrestling so conveniently uses when they feel like it, and the instant replay which the live crowd saw, which the home audience saw, and which the referee saw, showed that Hunter Hearst Helmsley used a pair of taped brass knuckles to get the victory over Duke the Dumpster Drossy. So the match was restarted, and eventually Duke the Dumpster Drossy won, therefore giving him the 30th spot and Hunter Hearst Helmsley the number one spot. Now, what would happen if the referee didn't reverse the decision and they stuck with Hunter at number 30 and Duke the Dumpster Drossy at number one. Well, for Duke's sake, I don't see much taking place with him moving forward. Um, maybe a rematch with Hunter down the line, but for the most part, um, maybe Duke, you know, would get eliminated, have his bad luck, and then come out later and eliminate Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who had entered at number 30, who thought he had the big grand advantage. Now, Duke wouldn't be legally in the match, but there's no disqualifications in the Royal Rumble match, so therefore, it would be a legal elimination if Hunter got thrown over the top rope and both feet hit the floor. As far as Hunter goes, like I said, that scenario with Duke maybe eliminating him uh, would lead to, you know, a rematch of sorts, 
um, and a blow-off match at the next pay-per-view, but um, I don't see anything of real substance taking place. Probably something just to transition to the next month before you eventually get to WrestleMania. I don't see them blowing it off at WrestleMania, that's for sure. Um, or maybe Hunter, you know, is is number 30 and he's one of the final two in the Royal Rumble match and he gets eliminated. Very similar to what um, Ted DiBiase did a number of years ago in 1989 when he bought uh, a Royal Rumble slot from Slick, who was managing Big Boss Man and Akeem, and DiBiase ended up becoming the number 30th entrant. Uh, it didn't work out for him as Big John Studd eliminated him. But nonetheless... Um, I could see something like that where, you know, Hunter, you know, he cheated to win. They keep the victory. It stands. He enters at number 30, and he's one of the last two guys remaining. Um, you would think he's going to win it because he had the advantage, but whoever eliminates him is the winner, and, you know, that's that. Um, but I think the more realistic, ideal scenario in that case is Hunter winning. He enters at 30. Duke's already been eliminated because he entered at number one early in the match. So Duke comes out for revenge to eliminate Hunter, even though he's not the legal man in the match. And Hunter's elimination stands, and then you blow off something at the next pay-per-view, which would have been in your house in February of, of that year, 1996. So um, that's that, that scenario there. I can't really go too far off the beaten path because I don't think that, you know, um, you know the, the, it, would, it would lead to of anything real substantial for the both of them. The next match on this card would take place on the main card, which would be Ahmed Johnson defeating Jeff Jarrett by disqualification in six minutes and 40 seconds. Jeff Jarrett would use the guitar uh, and bash Ahmed over the head. This rivalry began at the In Your House pay-per-view the previous month when Jeff Jarrett was revealed as the big surprise for Jerry Lawler. He made his return to the company. Um, and in 1995, before he had left in July of that year, he was red hot. You know, the country music gimmick and, you know, whether he could sing or not and his run with the Intercontinental Championship. Like, Jarrett was a main player. He was he was a, a top dog. He wrestled Razor Ramon at WrestleMania that year. He defeated him at the Royal Rumble the year prior. So, um, Jeff Jarrett had some credibility in the fans' eyes. Now, um, he was facing off against Ahmed Johnson. There were plans for him. He was a newcomer. Um and they had, they had big plans for him. Now, there's two different ways you can go with this here, okay? Let's say they go with Ahmed Johnson defeating Jarrett via pinfall, okay? And there's no disqualification here. He beats him straight up. That really kind of helps Ahmed propel him to, I wouldn't say the next level, but he's on the right path. Because it looked like from the get-go that they just had plans for him and they were going to do stuff with him. So, I feel like... Ahmed defeating him decisively at the Royal Rumble would really set the course for him to go into, like, the Intercontinental Championship division, you know. Or maybe even challenge a heel for the WWF Championship down the line. Um, or they can go a different route here and Jarrett sneaks out the victory. He cheats. Maybe the, maybe the referee gets bumped and he grabs the guitar and he nails Ahmed, cleans up the mess, wakes up the referee, one, two, three, Jarrett is your winner, then I could see them probably extending that rivalry to the next pay-per-view, maybe that February pay-per-view as well. Um, maybe it just kind of gets held off for a little bit, and they revisit it down the line if they want to reshuffle the deck because WrestleMania is approaching. Um, 
or maybe Jarrett's victory helps propel him for an Intercontinental Championship match against someone like Razor Ramon, who was the champion at the time, and I'll get into him shortly. Um, but I, it's another situation where, substantially, I don't think there's a lot you can go with with these guys. Um, but maybe the most ideal one would be is Ahmed um, moving on into something bigger, like an Intercontinental Championship title picture over Jarrett if he defeats him clean without the DQ victory. And then Jarrett could just kind of go off and do something else. You know, Jarrett would kind of be a filler, I guess. I think also, too, because Jarrett, the way that he left in in July of 95, and they brought him back, the company brought him back, I'm sure, because they knew he was talented. They knew that they needed someone like him, but at the same time, or I shouldn't say they needed someone like him. They preferred to have someone of his caliber of talent. Um, because they knew they can get quality matches out of him, but they probably weren't going to do a whole lot with him because of the way that he left. They kind of gave him the ball, and then he just got up and walked out after, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I think it's been discussed that he allegedly thought he had an offer on the table to WCW, and it turned out he didn't. And so things didn't work out the way that, you know, he had hoped. Um, and that's why he had come back in December of 95. But nonetheless, he's, he's, he's you know, paired up against Ahmed Johnson. Um, this wasn't, like, the greatest rivalry, but it wasn't the worst one either. So um, I guess maybe if Jarrett were to win via cheating, it kind of, it kind of propels him to... You know, it could lead to a rematch or it could propel him to, you know, the Intercontinental Championship title picture. He's got credibility. He's a former Intercontinental Champion. So um, we'll see. Maybe even this would signal the return of the roadie. And maybe Jarrett and Rhodey could compete in the tag team division. Um, you know, I don't know what. Well, I'm trying to think. What was Brian Armstrong, Brian James Armstrong doing at the time? Oh, he was like an enhancement guy in WCW at the time. So, um it's very possible that maybe they could have brought him back and him and G maybe he maybe they could have brought him back and he could have been the factor in the finish with Jarrett defeating Ahmed via cheating. Maybe the roadie gets involved and then Jarrett and the roadie are a tag team because the WWF tag team division at that time is pretty weak. I mean, you, and I'll get into that shortly. You had the Smoking Guns, you had um, Body Donnas, and you had the Godwins. And that's really all about it that you had. Um they, it looked like they were making a makeshift tag team of one, two, three, Kid and Sid, and I'll get into that shortly. But uh, for the most part, the WWF tag team division wasn't, you know, it wasn't at its best. I mean, Yoko and Owen were a team at one point. Um, I think they kind of just like stopped having them team together. Uh, I think Yoko's weight had something to do with it. He was off and on at that time. I don't think he was as frequent. And I think they started doing Owen and Davey as a team for a little bit, but. Um, not like anything like real substantial, just kind of tagging some one-offs and things like that. So um, maybe, you know, Rhodey and Jarrett kind of provide some substance to the tag team division uh, with Rhodey getting involved and helping Jarrett defeat Ahmed. Ahmed, I mean, like I said, it could lead to a rematch with Jarrett where he can get his, get his victory back. Um, or it could lead to, you know, him just kind of moving on and, and going you know, to greener pastures, so to speak. We, we would see Ahmed feud with Camp Cornette going into WrestleMania that year. So maybe maybe the, the, the Jarrett victory would lead to Ahmed just kind of shifting and moving somewhere else like, you know, against Camp Cornette. Um, 
The next match here would be the WWF Tag Team Championship match between the Smoking Guns and the Body Donnas. And history saw that the Smoking Guns were the champions defeating the Body Donnas um, in 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, you know, this was an okay match. It wasn't the best, but um, the Tag Team Division had really no, no steam whatsoever. Uh, you know, Smoking Guns were really like the only legitimate team that you know, were kind of holding down the fort for a long while the godwins were kind of introduced as a team um not long you know into i want to say maybe early 96 so maybe around this time and the body donnas had been you know established for a little bit but um nothing too crazy but um here let's say let's say we we trade places and the body donnas end up defeating the smoking guns to win the world wrestling federation tag team titles um number of different ways you can go with this here okay we eventually saw that the smoking guns would win the titles with a little bit of help from from uh from sunny okay sunny kind of flip-flopped a little bit here um and at wrestlemania we would see the body donnas win the tag team tournament to defeat the godwins and um, win the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. But let's say they defeat the Guns, okay? And Sonny's the manager. And then we start to see some dissension between Billy and Bart. I know we wouldn't see that till late 1996, but let's say that we kind of saw this in early 1996. Starting to see the seeds planted a little bit here. Kind of really build this one and draw it out a little bit. Um, maybe... Maybe they, they take the guns off TV, they do an injury angle with 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 Bart, and he's out. And Billy rides solo for a little bit, okay? And then eventually Bart comes back, and Billy's kind of enjoying his solo career. But Bart, on the other hand, wants to get the band back together. And then that leads to even more dissension between the two. Um you know, I could see something like that taking place for the Smoking Guns. The Body Donnas, as far as tag team champions go, um, I really can't... I, I really don't see them long-term. The tag team division, I think, needs a little boost and a little extra, you know, at that time, in 1996. And they just weren't it. But... Um, you know, eventually the Godwins would get in the mix and maybe we would see something a little more long-term between those two teams. Maybe, just maybe, um, you know, the Body Donnas are, you know, they're the champs and they're, they're, they're kind of running the tag division and Sonny takes a liking to Billy and maybe maybe we start that, that slow turn of the heel Billy Gunn by having Sonny manage him in a singles role. And they kind of develop this little flirtatious relationship, if you will. It kind of causes some dissension with the Body Donnas. And maybe when Bart comes back, Sonny turns on the Body Donnas and joins up with the Guns. And that's how you get them as a pairing. Um, you know, Godwin's throwing them into the mix here. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, I mean, as a, as, as a teenager, I didn't really buy into the fact that, you know, Sonny had a thing for Phineas and then it led to them winning the belts only for her to, you know, turn on them for them to lose the belts to the guns. And so maybe it would be a situation where, um, 
you know, the, that turn takes place earlier. She turns on she turns on the body Donna's, you know, a couple of months later. Maybe Billy has a successful singles match at WrestleMania, um, you know, against like Jake the Snake or something. You know what I mean? Um because Jake the Snake was in that tag team match. Maybe, maybe, maybe Billy, you know, to establish Billy as a singles guy, they have they put Jake in there with him. Um, and Sonny as the manager. Like I said, maybe, you know, Bart gets hurt, they lose the belts. Billy's kind of an island unto himself. He's not happy that Bart got hurt, cost him the titles. Sonny kind of offers up her services as a manager to guide him into a singles role. He 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 accepts, he gets on a roll. Maybe you know, like I said, Billy wrestles Jake at WrestleMania that year. Um, gets a decisive victory over him, really establishing himself in a singles role. Eventually, Bart comes back not too long after, um, and you know Sonny turns on the body Donna's, setting up the guns as the new tag team champions, and that's how you go from there. Um, or maybe they don't, you know, put Bart into the mix, and you know for whatever reason they don't use him, and he's long gone, and Billy's just in a singles role. And, you know, Billy's maybe wrestling for the Intercontinental Championship. Maybe they change up his gimmick a little bit and they don't saddle him with the stupid Rockabilly gimmick. Um, I don't know, but I think there's a number of different avenues you could go with, uh, you know, the results of that match um, for the WWF Tag Team Championship. But like I said, the tag team division was so weak at the time that um, maybe splitting up the guns isn't the best idea. Um, maybe, like I said, it causes... You know them to eventually turn heel. They're upset that they lost the championships, and you know Sonny starts to develop a little flirtatious relationship with Billy. But you keep Bart in the mix, and that's how you have them turn. And Sonny joins with them instead of the Body Donnas. Could be a number of different things. Um, you know, who knows? But I think those are. I think some of those scenarios are realistic, uh, and some of them I could have seen played out in 1996. I mean. Especially towards the end of 96 when the Guns were the champs and they were with Sonny and how they were really, you know, kind of putting the focus on Billy and, you know, his charisma and his athletic ability and they really put him over on commentary. Um, it sounded like they were destined to use him in a singles role. Uh, and they had just kind of been tired out with the Smoking Guns tag team. They'd been together for freaking three years at that point. So I, th I think um, there is a good possibility and a good chance that we would have seen, um, uh, you know, Billy Gunn in a singles role. But, you know, whatever happened, happened. Um, injuries and things like that. So, you know, uh, creative differences, what have you. But that's that's where I stand when it comes to the, the, the tag team championship picture at the Royal Rumble. And, you know, I'll kind of allude to that uh, later on. Um, actually, with our next match here, we have Goldust defeating... Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship in 14 minutes and 17 seconds. That's what history showed us. That's what history gave us in wrestling, you know, in the, especially in the WWF. But um, what if the roles were reversed? Now, mind you, one, two, three, kid got involved in the match, and it cost Razor the championship. What if? Now, there, here's a couple different scenarios here that I can go with. Now, what if Razor? What if one, two, three kid got involved in the match and got Goldust disqualified, and Razor still kept the championship? Um, I could see something where one, two, three kid wanted to be the one to dethrone Razor Ramon, and so therefore that's why he got involved, and that could lead to a match between the two of them 
at the next pay-per-view. Now, I know that they wrestled at that in-your-house in the crybaby match, but what if it was just Razor Ramon and one, two, three kid straight up one-on-one for the Intercontinental Championship? Um, you know, for the, and, and, and kid squeaks out the victory over Razor. Um, once again, Razor Ramon just can't get the job done over the one, two, three kid. It's the, the history that they have dating back to 1993. Um, I could I could see something like that happening where one two three kid ends up becoming the Intercontinental Champion. He's the he's the face of the Million Dollar Corporation. You know, um, him defeating Razor Ramon, um, which then I think could lead to a rematch at WrestleMania with a stipulation this time. Would would be Razor wins, he becomes Intercontinental Champion. Razor loses, he has to work for the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He's forced to work for Ted DiBiase if he loses. Therefore, the kid kind of has some control over him. And eventually, you know, if that were to take place and kid comes out the victor over Razor, then you kind of have a reluctant Razor Ramon who's been on a losing streak, losing the Intercontinental title to the kid, losing his rights as a human being to the 1-2-3 kid, and having to be forced to work for Ted DiBiase and kind of be like the servant, so to speak, be the Virgil, if you will, um, which would then eventually maybe lead to Razor Ramon kind of having a little change in attitude um, and seeing a little bit more of an edgier Razor Ramon, not as fan-friendly. Maybe Razor Ramon finally realizing that, you know, Maybe, maybe, maybe kid was right. Maybe, you know, maybe I lost my edge. Maybe I lost my cool, if you will. Maybe I'm not, you know, the Razor Ramon I used to be. And maybe, just maybe, I'll, you know, maybe, maybe this is what I need to get that back. Um, and maybe eventually over time, Razor Ramon is warmed up to the idea of being aligned with the one, two, three kid and maybe even the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, something that, you know, would, would be a very interesting scenario. And with Razor, you know, kind of being, you know, married to the Intercontinental Championship division, maybe Razor and Kid form a tag team and they become the tag team champions. And maybe they're the, you know, maybe you don't turn the smoking guns into heels and you keep them baby faces and they're the ones wrestling Razor and the Kid um, for the tag team titles. Or the Body Donnas, or even the Godwins, you know, and Razor and Kid are kind of the anchor of the tag team division um, as the champions, with Kid having like all the gold. Um, you know, that's that's something I think could could have been very possible. I mean, you know, not to you know break kayfabe, if you will, but uh, you know, there was a there was an edition of the WWF magazine I remember reading as a kid, and they previewed the 1996 Royal Rumble event and. One of the matches that they had previewed was originally supposed to be the Smoking Guns defending the titles against One Two Three Kid and Psycho Sid from the Million Dollar Corporation, but they had let go of Sid and 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 uh, you know agreed to mutually part ways. He had some injuries and he wasn't making his dates, and therefore there were some issues there, and so Sid had to walk away, um, and the company walked away from Sid. So it looked like they had plans for the kid to be in a tag team role with Sid, but maybe this time around. With the feud with Razor and him turning on Razor and then eventually forcing Razor to be aligned with the Million Dollar Corporation and be like the servant, maybe eventually that's how we'll get the tag team of Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid. And maybe over time, you know, Razor will warm up to the idea of being his partner and looking to get better opportunities with this new attitude, so to speak. Kind of getting the old Razor Ramon back, if you will. 
Now, what does this do for gold dust? Um, it's 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 interesting because gold dust was such an an enigma on television that. I don't think it would have really hurt him if 1-2-3-Kid cost him the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, he had this obsession with Razor Ramon and it was a hot storyline, but just the bizarre nature of the Goldust character itself um, could have, you know, he could have been fine on his own not having to have the Intercontinental Championship. Like, it was over, you know what I mean? It, it got a reaction out of people. Um on the other hand, you could go the route where, all right, kid cost Razor the the kid cost Razor the match because he wanted to be the Intercontinental Champion, but Razor still got the belt. Maybe they do Razor and Goldust in a match, um, you know, at the next pay per view at that in your house pay per view event, and maybe Razor wrestles Goldust in a cage, and Kid still costs Razor the match, and Goldust this time walks out as the Intercontinental Champion. Goldust could head into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion, and you could do a number of things with him. You could pair him up with Ahmed Johnson, who looked like he had was destined for Intercontinental Championship pastures. You could still do him and Roddy Piper. I mean, you could still do the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. You could still get to that, you know. Um, might be a few different ways to get Goldust the Intercontinental Championship, or you could do Goldust and Piper without the Intercontinental title. I mean, the title wasn't on the line in that Hollywood backlot brawl in 96 when Goldust was the champion. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, you still could get that desired result. It just, you might be skipping a step or two along the way. But Goldust, I don't think, would have been affected by this at all. If anything, I think, you know, his bizarre nature and his enigma status, I think, still would have been... A, a focal point of the character and the championship I don't think me personally I still think to this day as good of an Intercontinental Champion as he was and as good of a moment that was he didn't need the Intercontinental Championship he was over he was he was getting those reactions he was getting some weird reactions too and people were just like who the heck is this guy what the heck is he all about you know what I mean so you could go a number of different ways um, when it comes to you know, gold dust in his trajectory, you know, had he not left the Royal Rumble with the Intercontinental Championship. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think all those scenarios seem plausible um, in this trajectory here. I mean, shit, you know, Razor and Kid, you know, meeting up at the next pay-per-view or the next, the following two pay-per-views. Kid gets those victories, forces Razor to, to, to be his, his tag team partner, his servant, so to speak. They form a team. Razor helps him become tag team champion. He's a double champion. Razor's warmed up to the idea that him and Kid, you know, are, are a team. It kind of brings the old Razor Ramon back, so to speak. Um, gives him an edge. And then maybe eventually it moves Razor Ramon up to main event status for the WWF championship. And maybe Razor will compete for the WWF title. Um I got a couple of different ideas involving Razor and Kid later on down the line that I'll get into shortly um, that I'm not going to address with this particular match here. But um, Razor and Kid being an alliance as heels, I think is something that would be very interesting for that time period in 1996. Um, let's move on here. Let's go to the actual Royal Rumble match itself. Uh, Shawn Michaels won that match, last eliminating Diesel to earn a shot at the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Um, the year before, Shawn Michaels won it, entering in at number one. This time he entered in like a, a, 
pretty high number, or low number, I should say. I think he was like in his tw- like twenties uh, when he entered the Royal Rumble match. Diesel came in, I think, not long after, or maybe even before that. I don't remember to be exactly, but nonetheless, it came down to Sean and Diesel. Sean super kicked Diesel. They were still buddies at the time, but we were seeing a little bit of an attitude change with Diesel here. Um, which in this trading places scenario, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go a couple different routes here. Now. Vader made his debut in this match. And what would have been very interesting was if Vader was dominant throughout this match and he eliminated Sean and Diesel at the same time. And Vader went on to WrestleMania to compete for the WWF Championship. Okay? That would have been an interesting way to really jumpstart Vader into the scene. Okay? Vader got a, 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 a grand entrance you know, into WWF being announced as, you know, an entry in the Royal Rumble match. He made some waves. Um, you know, he got involved with Yokozuna. They kind of started their rivalry. Um, but having Vader win the Royal Rumble as a virtual unknown to the WWF audience, even though I knew who he was because I watched WCW at the time and I was pretty pumped that he was coming to WWF. Um, but Vader, I feel like winning the Royal Rumble really would have set him apart and really really would have got you to believe that you know they were they had big plans for him Tim challenging for the WWF championship whether that would have been against Brett whether that would have been against Undertaker whether that would have been against Stephen Sean or whoever Vader in the main event at WrestleMania for the WWF championship would have been an interesting scenario but I don't think they would have really gone that route realistically um, now this is where I'm gonna kind of go off the realistic path here and kind of insert some pretty deep, pretty cool scenarios when it comes to the WWF championship picture here, okay? And I'm going to bleed this into the WWF title match, okay? Which saw Bret Hart face The Undertaker, and Undertaker defeated him by disqualification, okay? That was the main event of the evening, which was kind of a screwy finish, and I'll get into all that. So I'm kind of going to bleed the Royal Rumble match finish and the championship match finish together, so kind of bear with me, okay? And there's going to be some twists and turns, you know, along the road, if you will. So let's say when it comes to the Royal Rumble, you know, we got like the final four, the final five. Let's say it's like Hunter, who enters at number 30. Um, on one side, he's kind of battling up with Sean. And then you have like Diesel and Vader on the other, maybe even... You know, Davey Boy, um, who was a part of Camp Cornette. Diesel eliminating Davey Boy. And then it's down to him and Vader on one side. Um, and, or no, here, I got a better idea. If you remember, in the 96 Rumble match, Vader got eliminated, him and Yokozuna at the same time by Shawn Michaels. Let's just say that... Vader, okay, and Yoko get eliminated by Sean. The same scenario. Then Sean moves on to go work on Hunter in the other corner. Or no, got an even better idea. Let's say Vader and Yoko get eliminated by Diesel at the same time. Diesel dumps them both over. And then Yoko and Vader start going at it on the floor. All the referees and officials are getting involved. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Davy Boy eliminates Diesel and throws him over the top rope. Diesel's pissed because 
He just got eliminated. It came out of nowhere. Referees are all tangled up with Yoko and, and Vader. And Diesel comes back in the ring, dumps Bulldog out, and then dumps Sean and Hunter out at the same time. Dump, or, I'm sorry, dumps Hunter out. Sean turns around, sees Diesel. Diesel boots him, jackknife powerbomb, then throws him over the top rope. And Diesel is declared the winner. The referees didn't see Diesel's elimination. Now, for those of you that are following along here, this finish is the 1997 Royal Rumble finish when Austin got eliminated by Brett. Referees were distracted with Mankind and Terry Funk fighting on the floor. Austin snuck back in. He dumps Taker and Vader. He dumps Bret Hart, and he's the last guy standing. Similar finish with Diesel this time turning on his friend. Now, it gets better. Sean, who comes back in the ring... It's like, what the heck? You were eliminated. I should be the winner. Diesel's like, no, I'm the winner. And Sean's even trying to tell the referees, hey, he didn't win. I won. That's when Diesel jumps him from behind, delivers a few more jackknife powerbombs, and we got a split between Diesel and Sean. And Diesel walks out as the winner of the Royal Rumble, and he's headed to WrestleMania to get his rematch for the WWF Championship. Now, as he's doing this, okay... He's walking back up the aisle, and The Undertaker's music plays, okay? They've cleared house. No one's left except for Diesel. Diesel's, Diesel's walking back up the, you know, the, the, the aisle way. Undertaker shows up. This same thing happened in 96, okay? Diesel and Undertaker kind of had a stare down because Diesel and Undertaker had issues over who was the rightful number one contender. So Diesel, being the, you know, the, the winner of the Royal Rumble in this scenario you know, could kind of jaw jack with Undertaker a little bit and be like, you better hope you're not the one that wins that championship because you're going to deal with me at WrestleMania. Referees are there to kind of pull it apart, etc. Undertaker gets in the ring. Brett comes down. They have their match. Now, in 96, Diesel came back at the end of that match and pulled the referee out, got involved, gave Undertaker the finger, I think he got physical with Brett and under or he got physical or he pulled Undertaker out and the referee disqualified Undertaker or disqualified Brett. Let me look at that again. I'm totally confused. Okay, no, Undertaker won by disqualification. So he pulled Undertaker out um, and then flipped the bird and we were off to the races. Okay. Let's just say we go a step further here and we trade places with this this championship scenario and Diesel gets involved in the match by jackknife powerbombing both guys and the referee, standing tall, holding the WWF Championship, and going off the air without a finish, with chaos, unpredictability. Okay, I think that would have been a more accepted finish than what we saw in 1996. That's just me personally. I'm not saying that because I'm the one that's booking it, but I, I truly feel like that would have been a more acceptable finish. Nonetheless, we get to Monday Night Raw the next night, Diesel's not only the number one contender and he's going to WrestleMania, but he won the Royal Rumble in controversial fashion. He pretty much stopped the championship match from continuing even further and just caused chaos. And so now he's met with President Gorilla Monsoon, okay, who decides that, you know what, I can't change the finish of the Royal Rumble match. The referee's call stands. 
Yes, I saw what you did. You were illegally eliminated. But you still have a right to an opportunity at the championship of WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels would have won had the referees seen what you did. And Undertaker and Bret Hart, there would have been a decisive victor had you not got involved. So therefore, we're not going to wait till you know, we're not going to wait to figure this whole thing out. We're going to get this thing settled and make the main event of WrestleMania official and do the first ever Final Four match. Now, I know we saw the Final Four match in 97, but putting this match with Diesel, Sean, Undertaker, and Brett, you got your four top guys in the main event of WrestleMania, okay? Let's say they don't go with the, the one-hour Iron Man match. Let's say they don't do Brett and Undertaker, or Brett and Sean and Undertaker and Diesel separately. Maybe you just go these four men in a final four match, elimination style, last man standing, wins the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Brett's the champion, okay? Now, he's got a gripe because he's forced to defend the title against three other people. Diesel's got a gripe because he's supposed to get a one-on-one -on -one championship match at WrestleMania by winning the Royal Rumble. Undertaker's got a gripe because now he's going to get a championship match but a, with three other guys. And Shawn Michaels has got a gripe because he was screwed out of the Royal Rumble match and this is the only way he's going to get a title shot. His boyhood dream is going to be an even bigger obstacle. So... Just picture that, okay? WrestleMania, Brett, Sean, Undertaker, Diesel, Fatal 4-Way. Now, to kind of preview WrestleMania and to kind of really add some more swerves and bumps along the road when it comes to these four guys at WrestleMania, you book the in-your-house main event, Bret Hart and Undertaker to take on Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Now, Diesel just turned on Shawn. So you have that unpredictability of the two of them being able to get along. And then you have Brett and Undertaker who have unfinished business. That, to me, appeals much better than the two respective matches we saw at WrestleMania 12 in 1996. The Iron Man match with Shawn and Brett and the Diesel-Undertaker match. Granted, both had you know good build-ups, but I feel like with the unpredictable nature of the way that these scenarios went down, you have this star-studded, packed WrestleMania main event. And you can kind of almost, in a way, because it takes place in March, you can kind of incorporate a March Madness theme to it, a Final Four, if you will, like they do for the NCAA basketball tournament for the men and women. You can kind of incorporate that, or at least that Final Four theme, if you will, um, into uh, the, the build-up for the match. But, you know, like I said... If Diesel wins and cheats, and you know, then he then he stands tall over the championship match. Now you got all these unpredictable elements of um, you know his character here. He's kind of all over the place. He turns on Sean by cheating to win the Royal Rumble, and then he attacks the champion and the challenger in the championship match and stands tall with the title. Um, but uh, you know, it. it uh, me personally, maybe I'm being biased, but I like it. I like the idea because it. it I just think there's a, a bigger appeal to it. Um, now, what happens moving forward, okay? There's a number of different avenues we can go, okay? So you have the tag match at the pay-per-view, February, okay, in your house. Brett and Undertaker, Sean and Diesel. Sean hates Diesel, Diesel hates Sean. Brett hates Diesel, Undertaker hates Diesel, okay? But... These guys are all forced to tag with each other. That's another thing, too. Let's say, for instance, Gorilla Monsoon says, you know what? You guys are all forced to team up with each other. And if you can't get along and something happens during this match, then you've forfeited your opportunity 
at the championship, and in Brett's case, you forfeited the WWF championship because it just turns into all-out chaos at this point, okay? Uncontrollable nature of the World Wrestling Federation at that time, okay? So they have the match. Let's just say, you know, Brett and Undertaker come out the victors for whatever reason. The finish doesn't even really matter, okay? You go into WrestleMania, now it's every man for themselves, okay? Brett's still kind of griping along the way that it's unfair that he has to defend his WWF championship against three other guys. Excuse me. Diesel is griping along the way that he won the Royal Rumble match fair and square, even though he's a heel and he didn't. We all saw him cheat. He won the Royal Rumble match fair and square. And therefore, I should be facing the champion one-on-one. Undertaker with a gripe, like I said. I got robbed of my championship opportunity. I shouldn't have to face these other three guys, but I will. Shawn Michaels, I was robbed of the Royal Rumble, but you know what? If my boyhood dream is going to come true, I'm going to have to beat all three of these guys. So we get to WrestleMania, and we see, you know, Shawn will come out the victor, okay? Shawn comes out the victor. He's the WWF champion, all right? It comes down to him and Brett in the end, okay? The final two. There's no shenanigans, there's no tomfoolery, there's nothing. It's a straight-up, clean victory with Sean over Brett, okay? It, it, it becomes an instant classic, and it's it's something that even the announcers put over, like, I would love to see these two go at it again under different circumstances, one-on-one, Brett and Sean. Maybe it eventually leads to an Iron Man match at SummerSlam or something like that. I don't know, okay? But now... If you remember in 96, Brett left the company because his contract was expiring. He was looking to do other things, and he wasn't, um, he was trying to take some time off from wrestling and wind down. He needed the time off. Um, Anyhow, Brett could do the same thing here or something similar where he's upset that he had to defend the title against three other guys and this wasn't fair to him. And we could start to see, you know, a little bit edgier Brett Hart. Okay. We could kind of see this here, all right? And maybe eventually, <clears throat> Brett takes a little bit of time off. Instead of taking eight months off, maybe he just takes like two or three. And he comes back, but this time he realizes that, like, he can't do this alone. And so, therefore, he comes back and he aligns up with his brother Owen and his brother-in-law Davy Boy. They leave Camp Cornette, okay? They're not a part of Camp Cornette anymore. They're baby faces. They're tweeners, if you will. Brett, Owen, and Davey, the Hart Foundation, okay? And Brett realizes that there's too many snakes in the World Wrestling Federation, and he needs to surround himself with the people that matter the most, and that's his family. Um, and we kind of see a little bit of an edgier Bret Hart. Not a full-on heel, but a little bit of an edgier Bret Hart. Now, when it comes to Undertaker, I think we're going to kind of keep him on the same trajectory. And have Undertaker go go you know go face Mankind. Mankind makes his debut the night after and they kind of go their route, okay? Same thing. All right? As far as Diesel goes, Diesel's still a heel, but okay? Diesel's now starting to try and form his own little clique, so to speak, okay? Um Diesel maybe just maybe before his WrestleMania match, he bumps into Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who gets jobbed out to the Ultimate Warrior, okay? Like we saw in 96. And 
tells him, you know, you're too good for this. This company's screwing you. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know, you ever need somebody to watch your back? I got you. And, you know, as we all know, the click, Hunter, Sean, Razor, Diesel, 123Kid, X-Pac, whatever. You know, all best friends behind the scenes, okay? They have a reputation for being a click behind the scenes and kind of politicking and doing their own thing and, and making sure that, you know, the, 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 the wrestling business kind of catered to them. That's the reputation. That's the narrative, okay? With all due respect to those five guys, okay? But maybe we kind of see that click behind the scenes start to form on screen, okay? Now, I mentioned Razor and 123Kid earlier, okay? Kid beating Razor at WrestleMania, forcing him to kind of be the, you know, the, the, the servant, if you will, forcing him to be his partner. He's got to work for the Million Dollar Man. Maybe, just maybe, they decide that they don't need the Million Dollar Man. And following WrestleMania, we get a Diesel Sean rematch inside of a cage at Madison Square Garden. And instead of seeing the click curtain call that we saw in 96, we see that curtain call, but then it transforms into an angle on TV. Maybe they advertise this big match at Madison Square Garden, Sean and Diesel in a cage. Sean wins. Razor, you know, Hunter comes out. And he tries to, uh, you know, he, he tries to, you know, jump on Sean. Him and Diesel are beating on Sean. All of a sudden, Razor and Kid show up, who have just dumped the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. And Razor and Kid jump in the ring to make the save, but then they turn on Sean. Now you've got the Click taking on Sean Michaels. They may not call them the Click, but you have the Click that's behind the scenes opposing Sean Michaels. You have Bret Hart and his Hart Foundation with Owen and Bulldog, okay? They're kind of tweeners, baby faces, if you will. Undertaker moves on to Mankind. Sean's got ready-made rivalries with, you know, with, with Hunter and Razor and Diesel for the next several months, okay? That's, those are some, those are just some of the ideas that I had cooked up in my head as to what could follow with WrestleMania. Now, I mentioned other names like Vader. Vader would probably still be on a, on, on a tear, if you will, okay? Managed by Jim Cornette. So, Owen and Bulldog leave Cornette, and Cornette just focused on Vader, okay? And Owen and Bulldog are with Brett, and they have their heart foundation, and they're kind of tweeners. Maybe they'll eventually feud with the Click, if you will. Um, Razor and Kid, they have... You know, dump DiBiase, and DiBiase, um, you know, he's got his, he's got his, uh, you know, he's got the ringmaster, Steve Austin, if you will, managing him in a singles role. Okay, DiBiase would eventually leave like a month or so later, but, um, you know, maybe DiBiase, maybe that's how they, they, maybe they don't even, maybe ringmaster is on his own, and, and Razor and Kid, they dump DiBiase, and Austin kind of does his own thing, Okay. And they don't get to that point where DiBiase's fired from TV. Um, and then you got to think Ultimate Warrior. Let's say Ultimate Warrior is back in the picture, okay? He's a babyface that can kind of back up Shawn Michaels. He has that established, you know, match with Hunter at 
WrestleMania 12 where he kind of squashed him. Maybe they continue that with Warrior kind of being the backup to Sean. I'd mentioned earlier that Sid left the promotion. Sid left in early 96. Maybe this is how they reintroduce Sid. Sid's kind of backing up Sean as they face Diesel, Razor, Kid, and Hunter with Warrior. You know what I mean? Maybe Ahmed Johnson gets thrown into the mix. Maybe you have an eight-man tag of sorts. Undertaker's still kind of doing his thing with Mankind. Gold Dust. Gold Dust and Roddy Piper, they have that classic Hollywood backlot brawl. Let's say it's just the same finish that we saw in 96. Goldust moves on to something else. Maybe Goldust moves on to a rivalry with, you know, Jake the Snake. Um, you know, if you will. Or maybe, you know, Goldust moves on to a rivalry with Mark Marrow. Or maybe Goldust moves on to something with Undertaker and him and Mankind form that little alliance. I think these would be some interesting scenarios and I'll say this right right here and right now. It, if, if Sean or if Diesel and Razor never left the WWF, and went to WCW, I think we would kind of see some of this stuff go on. I think they would be forced to have to, um, to, to, to have to kind of go with some of the, the, the pairings behind the scenes and bring those to real life. You know what I mean? Um, and we wouldn't see, we, we wouldn't see Steve Austin as King of the Ring. I'll tell you that much. Um, will we see Steve Austin eventually rise up the ranks? Maybe. Okay, but originally that King of the Ring was set to be Hunter as the as the victor. So um, be, because of the curtain call, that wasn't to be. However, um, you know maybe Austin gets there in another way. Maybe maybe they 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 let the cuffs loose on Steve Austin early, and he didn't need King of the Ring to be the winner. Um, and you know he just gets turned into some badass. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's opposing you know Hunter and Razor and Diesel in this like click faction, if you will. Um, but these are just some interesting scenarios that I think um, I, I I think would have been I think would have been pretty cool for that time period '96. I don't think we would have seen an NWO. Obviously, who knows what wrestling would have been like? Um, who knows what WCW would have been like if WCW would have lasted much longer? I mean, the NWO was the was a storyline that really kicked things into high gear for them. But if Hall and Nash were to stay in the WWF, I think we would have seen a different wrestling world. I really do. Um, so that's that's where I stand when it comes to Royal Rumble 1996 trading places. Hope you guys all enjoyed the scenarios. Hope you guys all enjoyed um, hearing me, you know, fantasy book, if you will. The Royal Rumble theme is going to continue next week as... I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but it's going to be Royal Rumble themed. I don't know who's going to be joining me. Hopefully, I'm going to have a co-host. But I'm looking to watch an old Royal Rumble, whether it's the old Royal Rumble event or an old Royal Rumble match. Maybe I'll put a poll up on the social media and uh, get some uh, get, get some ideas going. But uh, next week, it's still going to be Royal Rumble themed as we head closer to the 2021 Royal Rumble event from the WWE Thunderdome. Um, yeah, so whether it's an entire Royal Rumble pay-per-view or it's a Royal Rumble match, we're going to get into it. Please, whatever you do, don't request 1992. I know it's the greatest Royal Rumble match ever, but I'm saving that for next year, for 2022, for the 30th anniversary. So whatever you do, 92's off limits, 2007's off limits because we watched that last year, 94's off limits, and 2001 is off limits. So any other Royal Rumble other than those four that I just mentioned that you can we, we, we can watch next week here on Kicking Out of Tune. With that being said, I think it's officially about that time that we close the book on our trading places concept for this 96 royal rumble event and put this show down for the three count and see you all next week